0: One minute at a time. I was blind, but now I see.
1: Working jobs we hate, so we can buy shit we don't need. Ideas are if you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast.
0: The biohacking secret show. What's going on, biohackers? You may hear the low electric rumble of my Live02 0 oxygen machine running in the background. It is corona season. Everyone's on quarantine lockdown and uh, we are biohacking hard. Over here at HQ, we actually just released a training PDF for free for all you guys that uh, you can get now at coronabiohacks.com. We've compiled a number of the most scientifically validated along with the most proven in the trenches Uh, biohacks for viral immune protection, things that I have personally used that we've used with clients in our coaching program for years that have actually uh, reversed and gotten rid of uh, even the most problematic and stubborn viral infections. We've got a few in there that are particularly effective against Corona. So if you or any of your loved ones either want to protect yourselves or need a little bit of an extra boost, head over to coronabiohacks.com, download the free training PDF, and uh, put it to work for you. Also, got a great episode today that is relevant during these corona times where immune health is paramount. I talk about hyperbaric oxygen therapy. This is something that I'm personally doing myself. I'm about 20 sessions in right now. Uh, what hyperbaric involves is you get into a glass chamber where they increase the pressure to roughly two to even three times that at sea level. This increased pressure drives all gases into tissues, into <laughs> tissues, <laughs> into tissues, but not just the blood, also the plasma. And now why is this important? Well. It gets a lot more interesting because they fill the chamber with 100% pure oxygen. So now you're in this chamber breathing 100% pure oxygen that upregulates a number of immune pathways, hypoxia inducible factor, and a number of others drives down inflammation. And then now you have this added pressure Uh, I've been doing it between 2 and 2.4 atmospheres. That's driving that oxygen into uh, the tissues, the plasma, everywhere that you need it for optimal immune health and uh, even cognitive function. So in this episode, I sit down with Dr. Scott Scott Shear who's one of the world's leading experts in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. We talk about some of the reasons that he believes it's the best biohack ever. We also talk about methylene blue, which is an electron donor and how it can be used to improve your brain energy and how to naturally increase your stem cell activity by 800x. So rather than uh, injecting your own stem cells or someone else's, we share some strategies uh, that have been proven in studies to increase stem cell activity by 800x. So step number one, go to coronabiohacks.com, C-O-R-O-N-A-B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S. Download your free training PDF, Top Biohacks for Immune Protection. Uh, Share that URL with friends, family, and coworkers. That's what we made it for. And then check out this episode. So here we go. Without further ado, please sit back relax, and enjoy my conversation with Dr. Scott Scheer. Scott Sheer, welcome to the Biohacking Secrets Show.
1: Hello there, sir. Thanks for having me.
0: It is a pleasure. I'm excited to chat. First and foremost, let's start talking about this biohacking pastime that both you and I, well, I've just recently gotten into it. You've been in it for a long time, mm-hmm. hyperbaric oxygen therapy.
1: Mm-hmm. For the listeners,
0: yeah, thank you. I've I've been I've been enjoying it, and I'm excited to share some of my experiences so far. I'm still only seven out of twenty dives deep. I committed okay. to an initial an initial twenty at two atmospheres, ninety minutes each, but enough about me let's talk about what got you into hyperbaric
1: well as you're already experiencing it's a pretty simple technology you don't have to do anything you go into a chamber and the chamber does all the work for you and so it's the lazy man's way of optimizing (laughs) let's call it (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it's it's active. You have to get there and you have to breathe, but we have to breathe. You got to get in
0: the car, push <laughs> the gas, not Put crash into gas. anything on the way, and, and then you, and then you got to lay there
1: for a while, <laughs> watch TV, movies, meditate. It's a yep. tough life. I use it as a as a sensory deprivation type of environment for some people because you actually you can't go in there with any of your electronics or things like that so it's a nice way to get people to like just shut off as well mm-hmm. and i actually find it a fantastic place to meditate myself it can almost you too oh yeah is that is has he been enjoying that it's so I, far it's
0: all i've been doing in there is yeah. well not for the full 90 minutes it's a little bit harder to meditate when they're bringing you down to, sure, uh, sure. you know, and then bringing you back up. But yeah. I, I try to carve out a nice chunk in there and I asked them to leave the TV off. So I'm not yeah. distracted, but I've been, I've, well. I've been loving it for that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a nice way to shut off. And so I got involved in hyperbaric therapy back in 2007. I was in medical school, medical school at the time. And, uh, when you're a third year resident in medical school, you, you do a lot of rotations in various places. I was in Baltimore, at the time. And I rotated in a place called shock trauma. It's as you describe, as, as you would think about it, a shock and trauma type of location, lots of gunshot wounds, uh, lots of motor vehicle accidents, people falling off of buildings and crazy, us, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so, but in the, in the basement, there was this gigantic hyperbaric facility or hyperbaric chamber that fit multiple people. So it's called a multi-place chamber. And they were using it for people with Skin infections called necrotizing fasciitis or like these flesh eating bacteria, terrible things. You may have seen papers back in the day of like people losing limbs and it could be a pretty terrible type of infection. And I saw people going into the chamber coming out looking like new people, Um, amazing changes in how their physiology would shift and how they would actually prevent from getting amputations in a lot of capacities sometimes. And, and also I saw people with burns and uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. And, and uh, and I didn't know what was going on in the chamber. I saw them go in like a carbon monoxide patient uh, that was on a ventilator, go into the chamber on a ventilator and then walk out of the chamber two hours later. And just seeing that change, I was just like, what is going on in there? And I found out it was just really simple technology, just increased Pressure, increased atmospheric pressure, and increased inspired O2 oxygen. And it was the combination of the two that drove more oxygen in circulation. And in the case of carbon monoxide poisoning, it just basically outcompeted the carbon monoxide molecule for the hemoglobin, which is where we bind oxygen on the red blood cells that carry oxygen to the rest of our body. And it just outcompeted that carbon monoxide molecule and prevented you from dying. Because carbon monoxide has a higher affinity than oxygen does for the hemoglobin molecule. And it would just basically prevent you from oxygenating your body. So these patients would go inside the chamber. They would be on a ventilator. They'd wake up, they'd take out the tube and they'd walk (laughs) walk out. It was crazy. And so after learning about that, I knew that this is a technology that I had interest in because I knew if it was just oxygen getting into the body at a higher level, at a higher capacity, our oxygen carrying capacity was going up, but there's a lot more that it likely could do. And from my background, from my childhood, I grew up with a father as a chiropractor who did everything out of the box. So there was never going to conventional doctors in my early childhood. I didn't even know what a regular doctor was until I was 18, and I needed like a physical to go to college. So... I knew from the early time, and early time in my my life, that I wasn't going to do something that was gonna be conventional. If I did something conventional, I was gonna be able to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I was gonna be talking conventional on one side, and the other side was gonna be talking, you know, crazy alternative stuff on the other side. And hyperbaric therapy I found was this particular technology. That allowed me to do both because it was insurance coverable for like 14 indications in the U.S. and other countries like China, Japan, and Russia. It's like 70 indications. And so understanding that and knowing that we could use this technology in a capacity that was outside of the insurance realm, but off-label, and but also with a lot of research to back it, I knew that it was a way that I could sort of integrate a lot of these alternative concepts that I knew from being a kid and also that I was still studying at the time of being in medical school when I had time. Um, and, and then also at the same time, knowing that the conventional world appreciated it for the various indications that it does, that I could create a practice that used hyperbaric therapy as its sort of foundational technology, but then build an integrative practice around it. And that's what I did after finishing my residency in internal medicine. I transitioned myself into a place where I could use hyperbaric therapy as that foundational technology, basically.
0: And was your affinity and passion for hyperbaric largely driven by the transformations that you were seeing, that that you mentioned, or did you at some point say, I got to try this, get me in one of these, what's the protocol,
1: how do I uh, yeah. how do I get started? So in the beginning, it was mostly with the people that I saw, um, and it was people that didn't have a lot of hope from the medical world, people with strokes or traumatic brain injuries, patients with Lyme disease or reflex sympathetic dystrophy, um, or patients that were just uh, were having memory issues that they were having issues with you know with, with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or lots of different things that conventional medical treatments didn't have a lot to offer. When I saw them going in into the chamber, especially using an integrative approach, which is obviously evolved many a significant amount since I first started, but that approach changed and that integrated approach seemed to significantly help these people outside of what the conventional world could offer, that's when I really knew that I was onto something here, that it was a different technology. It wasn't, it wasn't invasive, right? Like I said, it's very, like you just sit there, you relax and you breathe oxygen under pressure. And if it could be that simple and that powerful, then that's, that's what I was all about. I mean, I really, over the years, saw these transformative things happen with my patients and then in myself too. I mean, I gave myself a concussion as many of us do accidentally. And I <laughs> stop saw hitting how yourself. Even after, Scott,
0: stop hitting yourself.
1: <laughs> I mean it was a, such a dumb concussion, Anthony. i like what, what I mean, you gotta
0: tell us <laughs> what happened now. How I mean, do you concuss was, yourself?
1: I mean everybody has their own, you know, Darwin and award stories. I think mine was a very simple one. I was just my bathroom has like a half wall and I was taking a piss and I have four kids that were making lots of noise and somebody screamed. And so like I finished I turned, and I nailed my head at the same time, and I, I got my bell rung just by doing that. And it was actually an interesting scenario, because as a physician, you know, you forget that you're an actual person sometimes that has the same symptoms that your patients will have, right? So I, I nailed myself. I like, you know, I saw the, like, the floating stuff. And for a second, I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just going to keep doing my thing. And, and then I was like, wait, wait a second. I just gave myself a concussion. <laughs> <laughs> why am I so aggressive? <laughs> why, am I, why am I off balance? Why, am I, why, why can't I think? And I was like, oh, now I know what to do. Okay, so of course, now I went through the whole process. I, I started some supplementation. I changed my diet. I got into the chamber. And then after three treatments, I felt fantastic. And I was like, oh, okay, this is it. So, and so those kinds of experiences obviously colored my experience with patients over the years. But Mm -hmm. I've seen people with these transformative experiences just with hyperbaric therapy, especially if it's an acute indication. If it's something like an acute trauma, it's a fantastic technology. You can throw the boss at people, giving them supplements, other therapies, dietary changes like I did to myself. But getting to the chamber, getting more oxygen to tissue that's at risk for dying or at risk for having some sort of malfunction is fantastically Beneficial, and the the changes that you can see can be really dramatic. And as I saw it in myself. I've seen it in many patients over the years as well.
0: Yeah, it does. It certainly seems like there there are many applications for traumatic brain injuries. And I was going to ask you. Well, I have two questions. One. Um, before you went into the wall, did you have a chance to get your pants back up or was this a, was this a very, a, a real low point in your life?
1: <laughs> so it was a, it was a fly down kind of scenario. So, I mean, at my house with my fly down, who really cares? Yeah, there
0: you go. All right. Nice. <laughs> so, just, 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 just try to understand the full, the full scope of the situation. Yeah,
1: no, it wasn't, it wasn't pants to the ankles kind of thing. No. Okay. So nice. Good.
0: Having- Good. Ho- hopefully that never, that never occurs. And yes. then, um, with around traumatic brain injuries, you touched on it, but my, my question is like, so one of, one of our clients, um, experienced a concussion a few years back mm-hmm. and, uh, he's, a, he's a pro athlete and we're looking at really designing his, his off season to make sure that he's going into the, the 2020, 2021 season, sure. fully optimized. He still has noticed some, some persisting symptoms after that, uh, after that concussion. Mm-hmm. Is there uh, a statute of limitations, if you will, or a certain period of no, time where, no, where not.
1: okay. Yeah, no, no. So, but I think it's, it's really great to think about it as the protocol, right? In the sense mm-hmm. that hyperbaric therapy is going to oxygenate your body very quickly. And that's good, especially if you have an acute injury so that you get more oxygen to the tissue, right? So real quick on the physiology of it, right? So you're in- increasing atmospheric pressure. So we think of sea level as no atmospheric pressure. That's zero, not no, but that's zero or like sea level pressure. And then you go 25, 33 feet below sea level. That's a significant amount of pressure that your body's going to be under because we think about it as water. If you're under 33 feet of sea level water, that water is extremely heavy. And it's that heaviness, that denser air, that denser pressure that we can utilize in the chamber simulating the pressure you would feel under a certain amount of seawater. So Mm -hmm. we're increasing your amount of atmospheric pressure and you're also increasing the amount of inspired oxygen. So inspired oxygen at sea level is 21% oxygen. At a hyperbaric environment, we're typically increasing that somewhere between 90 and 100%. Mm -hmm. And we're doing that because now we can use that pressure along with that increased inspired oxygen to drive more oxygen in circulation. And it's done not because of red blood cells. Now, red blood cells typically carry oxygen, but in normal people, they can normally saturate about 98 to 100% of those oxygen sites that are available on the hemoglobin molecules within the red blood cells just by breathing sea-level air. So there's not a whole lot more that's available on the red blood cells. So you can increase oxygen carrying capacity by increasing your number of red blood cells. You can do that by altitude training or taking drugs like epigen um, or other... There's another way you can actually transfuse yourself red blood cells right before a race or something like that to increase your oxygen carrying capacity. But in a chamber, what we're doing is by increasing the pressure on your body, we're able to drive oxygen into the plasma or the liquid of your blood. And the liquid of your blood has very little oxygen in it at sea level. Most of it's carried by the red blood cells, but we can... Actually, it's almost like an infinite amount you can actually diffuse in there, but you can diffuse so much oxygen into circulation that at three atmospheres of pressure, which is the equivalent of 66 feet of seawater, which we don't typically use, but at 66 feet of seawater, you no longer need red blood cells to maintain your physiologic functions because you can saturate so much oxygen into the plasma. So... To take it back to your question, now we have all this oxygen in circulation at a certain amount of pressure in the chamber. And all that oxygen has an immediate effect by diffusing more oxygen into the system, gets more oxygen to your mitochondria. More oxygen, as a result of that, can make more energy. And so, more energy is going to allow those cells to work better. And that's fantastic. But at the same time, you're also looking at how hyperbaric therapy can help over the long term in something that's been going on longer than just an acute injury. And that's actually by epigenetic changes. So changes on your your DNA, how your DNA expresses and suppresses various proteins that are responsible for growth, that are responsible for down-regulating inflammation. So new blood vessels, um, new cells, new stem cells are being released from the bone marrow where they're produced and also the brain tissue to help those Areas regenerate themselves. So, I think of hyperbaric therapy from a protocol perspective like as a scaffold builder. So, new connective tissue, new bone, new cartilage, new neurons, new supporting cells that create the environment to maintain tissue over a longer period of time. And that's the protocols of hyperbaric therapy that are not just three or five sessions. We're talking about sessions that are 20 sessions in a row, 40 sessions, 60, sometimes more. So, that's when you see those physiologic shifts from an epigenetic perspective. In the acute setting, we're looking at just enhancing the body's own physiologic, pers- physiologic ability to heal and doing it faster and more efficiently than it can on its own. So I'll shut up, but that's the idea. And so for, for your hockey player, for example, we're looking at a longer protocol that also includes other technologies and practices and foundational principles, at least in my practice, that would enhance his ability to produce and make energy effectively, to detox effectively, and use the chambers most optimally.
0: No, that's fantastic. And I had read that roughly 20 sessions at two atmospheres of pressure for 90 minutes has been shown to cause uh, an 800% increase in stem cell activity. So some of what you were talking about with, yeah, with, exponential. with dry, yeah, which, which is pretty powerful. And then I would imagine, um, have you seen any literature? Does that, does that taper off or flatline or does it continue as we get into 30, 40, 60 sessions?
1: So the Israelis have done most of the literature here, most of the research, and they haven't done a lot of studies on 20. But we do know at 20 sessions at the pressures you're describing, you can see a significant amount of angiogenesis or new blood vessel formation. You can see a significant stem cell release. We see it as almost the, the curve, excuse me, the curve does in continue to rise until about 40 and then tends to rise slower, but still rise up until about 60 sessions. So the Israelis have shown that stem cells continue to be released at those kinds of proportions up until 60 hyperbaric sessions. And also that there's a downregulation of senescent cell populations as well, if, if you're familiar with senescent cells, which are these like zombie cells that, that accumulate as we get older and as we age, and they, they give you a higher risk for cancer, inflammation, degeneration, etc.
0: Yeah, I've I've started over the past few months a once a week high dose of quercetin and, and tea theoflavins for managing some of those senescent cells and and assisting the body and getting rid of them and making some some new fresh guys that are pulling their weight.
1: Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So we think that um, in the chamber, one of two things has happened. We're not sure either that the body is just taking care of those cells and killing them and getting rid of them so that new cells can 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 generate, or um, it's actually regenerating them and making them abil- their ability to work better again. We're not sure, but those yeah. cell populations do go down. But yeah, for most people that are looking for the long-term benefits of hyperbaric therapy um, and that are not doing it for an acute reason, I often say that 20 is my minimum for people to see that physiologic shift happen. The pressures themselves we can titrate the pressures to what your goals are. So from um, a 2.0, for example, is a very common pressure that we use, which is 33 feet of seawater equivalent. And that's a physiologic pressure that will also get some of your brain, but also do physiologic shifts like outside of your central nervous system as well. Uh, We also have brain specific pressures that we can use uh, that are a little bit more superficial. So like somewhere between 1.3 to 1.75, are the pressures, ATA, which is about 15 to 25 feet of seawater. And then sometimes we even go deeper um, than 2.0, like 2.4, 2.8, or even 3.0. The deeper we go, the more stem cells that you, you actually release. Um, but it depends on what what the goals are and what the, what the, the target tissue, I would say, is. But like a good... Pressure for most everybody is two atmospheres, which you can only get in hard chambers. For, but for some people that are interested in doing this more like in the soft chamber variety, like in the mild hyperbaric chamber, pressures, that's 1.3 typically. Those are more focused on what I say is like neurocognitive optimization and also sort of muscle recovery and, and jet lag and things like that. You can use those in your own home, those chambers, but they won't change the sort of the, those big sort of shifts in physiology that, you're, that, we're, that we're talking about here.
0: So if for, for someone just to, to stay with the example, and then I'd like to explore some of the different protocols for Lyme and, and maybe dive a little bit deeper in, in neurocognitive enhancement. But for traumatic brain injury, um, would, is it accurate to say that that individual may not experience the same degree of benefits or even benefits if they're just using an at-home uh, soft chamber at, at, at 1.3 uh, atmospheres of pressure?
1: So for concussions and neurocognitive-related conditions, I typically like to go a little bit deeper than that, somewhere between 1.5 and 1.75 for most people. Um, that being said, if the soft chambers are the only thing available, then I do feel that they can be beneficial for neurocognitive-related recovery, especially in the, in the less acute settings, in people that can use these things over a longer period of time. Um, if you have a more acute issue I do recommend going into the hard chambers and going to the deeper pressures. Mm-hmm. I know your buddy Ray over there in mm-hmm. Florida, he tends to, I think, treat everybody at 2.0. That's mm-hmm. what he does. And that's what he's done for many, many years. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a different perspective and tend to change pressures um, a little, depending on the indication. So for more, as I said, like more neurocognitive things, I tend to start off at somewhere between 1.3 and 1.5, depending on what's going on. And then I'll titrate it down or, de- or decrease or, go to deeper pressures depending on the indication but i tend to also think about it in a more holistic way and not just about you know the chambers i think how well is this person going to produce energy are they going to produce well are they able to harness the power of their cells in an optimal way and that's when i think about doing other kinds of testing and i know you there's lots of different ways you can approach this but for me it's more looking at you know cellular testing metabolite testing and looking at how well they produce energy Are they toxic? Um, Is their their gut working well? Is their immune system working well? And all of those things will play into the ability to harness the power of getting into a chamber and making energy appropriately and as optimally as as possible. So I don't have, I'm not a purist is what it comes down to. If you have 1.3 available to you and you have a neurocognitive related injury, I do think it can help you. Um, If possible, I think the deeper pressures are probably a little bit better. They've done some studies looking at 1.3 versus 1.5. So 1.3 atmospheres in a soft chamber versus 1.5 in a hard chamber, 100% oxygen at 1.5, and just compressed air at 1.3. So not increased inspired O2 except for the the same amount you would get at sea level, 21% at -hmm. pressure. So at pressure at 1.3 with inspired O2 at 21%, which is sea level, you get about a 46% increase in the amount of oxygen that's going to be circulating in your body just with that. Okay, Mm. Um, So comparing that to 1.5 with 100% oxygen, which you get about 600% more oxygen in circulation, everybody gets better. But the people at 1.5 with 100% tend to get better faster, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So that's when I I say I'm not a purist. For brain-related issues, I think the soft chambers can be beneficial. They tend to be needed. They need to be used more and probably more often and for longer periods of time. But you can Mm. still get there. Is what it comes down to. And what what
0: are some of the companies that produce soft chambers where you've seen clients using them get good
1: results? So the chamber technology is the same for all the companies. It's just about um, some of the companies are 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 more sort of uh, out there and diffused, and some of them are pretty small. The soft chamber companies in the U.S. it's a bit it's a bit like the Wild West. You know, they sometimes will say that they can be used for things that that i don't feel like they can be used and so i don't tend to uh, recommend one company more than any other at this point um i just tend to say that the technology is the same and the price points are different so you have to kind of do your own research and see what's going to be best for you Um, there is uh, some other technologies that are coming out of uh out of europe that i like that are hopefully becoming soon that i like a little bit better than what's on the market here uh, tend to be a little bit safer, easier to use. Um, I mean, it's all very safe. And that's the thing about hyperbaric therapy in general. It's a super safe technology. It's been around forever. And especially in the, in the mild hyperbaric pressure ranges, it's extremely safe. So there's not really anything you need to worry about from a home use perspective as well. Although I do recommend people have somebody checking in on them just to, or, or somebody knowing that they're in the chamber just to, for that perspective.
0: Right. And and I had heard that some of those safety profiles shift a little bit when you're talking about a a clinic experience because sure. of the pressure because of 100% pure oxygen. Maybe you could explain just just touching on that so people understand the yeah. contrast between a soft unit at home at 1.3 and uh, you know 2-3 atmospheres and 100% oxygen.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple things. Once you get more oxygen in circulation, the power Exponentially rises as we've been talking about. So you get more stem cells released physio- physiologically. You get more connective tissue improvements and cartilage and bone and and everything. And but with that, there is an increase in what we call and what people get scared about is oxidative stress, right? And so oxidative stress is this flood of oxygen in the body is going to create more reactive oxygen species. And reactive oxygen species are important for the body. Exercise causes them. Uh, any stress to the body is going to cause more oxidative stress at the same time. Because the body needs to produce more energy, it's going to produce more waste products, and reactive oxygen species are one of them. So what we're doing in the chamber, and actually one of the ways hyperbaric therapy works, is actually by creating oxidative stress, creating this oxidative load that allows the body to react to it and then create an antioxidant surge that actually balances out that oxidative load. Now in that process, if you don't have a good balance or the ability to create that antioxidant surge, you can imbalance or go on the side of oxidative stress and not be able to balance that out. And as a result, you can get symptoms of fatigue. Um, you can get symptoms of, 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 of toxicity, just feeling you know crappy. And that does happen to people. Um, if they cannot produce energy effectively, if they don't have the ability to have that reactive antioxidant surge. There's also with that reactive oxygen species load, there's a higher risk for oxygen toxicity. And that toxicity is very, very rare. And we have definite ways of preventing that from happening. But um, what that can manifest in in the most rare occasion is an oxygen-induced seizure. And the deeper pressures are more described for this, so like 2.4, 2.8, and 3.0. Um, but we have ways of mitigating that stress by actually giving you. You mentioned this initially, Anthony, when you're talking about giving air breaks. And so, we, do you, are you getting air breaks with Ray? Has he given you air breaks? I don't believe so. Okay. So, in my mind, maybe I was thinking about them as you were talking about your protocol. So, um, because air breaks, what we do with air breaks, and it's something that um, is relatively new, is that you're breathing 100% oxygen and pressure. And then every 20 to 30 minutes, we give you and a mask to wear where you just breathe sea level 21% oxygen infused air. So as a result of that change, you have a decreased oxidative load because there's less oxygen during that time and decreased stress on the body. And there's a decreased risk of having any seizure as a result of that. We also interestingly think that that relative hypoxia, you're going from 100% oxygen you're breathing to now 21% oxygen for those air breaks, you're actually getting a relative hypoxia. And as a result of that, we think that that's actually creating a stimulus for more stem cells to be released and more blood vessels to grow because something called HIF is being released, hypoxic inducible factor, which is kind of paradoxical if you think about hyperbaric therapy because you don't think it's a hypoxic environment. But if you're giving air breaks, it becomes relatively hypoxic. Even though you're going back to normal sea level oxygen levels with those air breaks. So, those air breaks prevent potentially any oxygen toxicity. They also potentially enhance the ability to produce stem cells and blood vessels and create those epigenetic shifts that we were talking about. One of those ways is by creating more of a stimulus to make more hypoxic inducible factor. So, interestingly, how that works. But from a toxicity perspective, that's the main rarest side effect you can have is a toxicity-induced seizure. The most common thing that people have, the deeper you go, is more issues with their ears and just more pressure sensation in their ears because it's like if you've ever been scuba diving or on a plane, changes in pressure, you're going to feel those pressure changes. But the deeper you go, the the more pressure changes you're going to have. So just to be aware of those when you're getting therapy.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And so is uh, hypoxia-inducible factor something that can be measured Um, I guess that's that's part one. And then part two is you've got me thinking if if it is that relative hypoxia that's causing it, where a lot of a lot of the the um, increase in hypoxia inducible factor. And please correct me if I'm speaking gibberish or, or or botching things over here. But a lot of that takes place when you get done with your session. As they return you back to sea level, that's when the big release comes because it's a it's a relative contrast. And then mm-hmm. you may you're sort of testing like can we actually get more of that uh, hypoxia inducible right. factor released if we pulse a few of these intermittently throughout the session rather than just one one contrast
1: moment at the end. Exactly. So we can't measure if except in the experimental settings. It's not something you can go and measure And I believe it's pretty short acting. So I think it's difficult to measure unless you do things very very much sort of like in a, an experimental way using you know, laboratory equipment. So mm-hmm. you can't do it like you go into your like local Quest. It's not something you can do. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right. We are obviously having that huge shift when you come out of the chamber. But while you're in the chamber, we are using this additional stimulus, these, these additional stress changes of relative hypoxia that not only prevent you from having toxicity, but also seem to have a benefit. And so this is new and it's not something that's well described in the literature yet, but the Israelis, I've seen their literature and it's sort of, it's more internal right now and they're publishing things slowly, but they believe that that has a significant effect on HIF itself and also on stem cell release. So I often will give Air breaks at for anybody that's at two atmospheres or any deeper pressures every twenty or thirty minutes for five minutes um, to make that change that physiologic shift happen.
0: And can you elaborate a little bit on hypoxia in, inducible factor and some of the other roles that that it plays in the body? So we know that it it, it affects oxygen deliverability. Can you maybe describe its its role on immune function and and, and anywhere else that you see it? Uh, Playing a, playing a beneficial part.
1: Yeah. So HIF is, is involved in a lot of different things. Um, and I'm not an expert in all of the, 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 all the things that it does, but in my world, HIF is most involved in angiogenesis. So creating new blood vessels. Um, it's also involved in, um, in, in, in mitochondrial biogenesis, as far as, I'm, as I think, I'm, I'm not positive, but I have to, that's what I usually, when I think about hypoxia, um, often what happens as a result of that is that you get new mitochondria that are, are grown, uh, new mitochondrial biogenesis. And as a result of that, um, I believe HIF plays a significant role in mitochondrial biogenesis as well. Um, from an immune system perspective, we know that um, Cancer has a very interesting relationship to HIF, and we think that some cancers do grow as a result of the stimulus of HIF as well. So, in cancer patients, um, in cancer patients specifically, I'm very careful about how we use hyperbaric therapy. Now, there's no indication that in a chamber that cancer grows. In fact, they've done a number of different studies looking at how hyperbaric therapy affects cancer, and there's no potential that we can see in multiple series in multiple uh, studies that have been performed or that have been looking at this that hyperbaric therapy has any pro-growth effect on cancer but there is the theoretical potential because of of hif and because some cancers grow in hypoxic environments they have new blood vessels that are formed and so you know we do think there's an immune system Correlation to that, not, and I don't know about that specifically, but there there does seem to be an interplay there as well. So, um, in for example, in cancer patients, I don't give air breaks, for example, as a as just a across the board. But even in patients that have gotten air breaks, uh, we do think that blood vessels grow very differently in cancer than they do in normal tissue. So, mm-hmm. again, lots of things interplaying there. But HIF is something that's um, that's uh, it's definitely something that plays a role in multiple. In multiple places.
0: And it sounds like you touched on this a little bit, but just to, to clarify, if, if you were to have uh, a family member who came to you and had been diagnosed with, with cancer, and um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to mention a specific type, but in general, right? Huh? Is, is hyperbaric something that you would encourage them to explore
1: as a part of their protocol? So in synergy, we actually have seen some significant benefits. And one of the main areas that we've seen the most benefit is actually with the ketogenic diet. And there were some studies done by Dr. Dom D'Agostino, who I'm sure you've heard of, um, maybe even interviewed. I don't know uh, if you have. We need, to, to, we need
0: yeah. to have him on the show. If any of uh, you guys listening know Dom D'Agostino and want to uh, reach can, out.
1: I'm happy to help you. That's fine. <laughs> that'd be great. We'd love to have him on. He's a yeah, great he's, dude. He's, yeah, he's a, a fantastic guy, a biohacker. He's also in Florida as well. Oh, yeah. Um, fantastic, that'd be Tampa. great. Yeah, Thank you. Um, and so, you know, Don did some work in like the 2014 timeframe where he combined a ketogenic diet with hyperbaric therapy and uh, and what else? And it was glial, it was it was cancer obviously. And, the, and he had a he had a, a model of glioblastoma, which is a which is a, you know, a terrible brain cancer. And combining the three together had a fantastic regressive effect on cancer. And so the reason why we think that hyperbaric therapy and the ketogenic diet work so well together uh, for many cancers, but probably not all, is that the ketogenic diet starves cancer of glucose, which is a main source of fuel for most cancer cells, and then makes them sort of more at risk for oxidative stress. And then we give hyperbaric therapy, which is an oxidative stress and oxygen load to the, the, the body, the regular cells, the normal cells, have the ability to produce antioxidants to protect themselves, but the cancer cells don't have as much of an ability to produce that antioxidant response because they just don't work as well. And as a result, there is a more of a, a cancericidal effect. There's a killing effect of the cancer cells. And so we're seeing this in some studies. There haven't been a lot of human trials yet, um, but there have been in, in dogs and in animals like, uh, like rats and mice, there has been some significant uh, promise there let's say and so there's Mm -hmm. definitely more uh more work that's being done and more work that needs to be done to understand more how it works but also it's being used in combination hyperbaric therapy with radiation with chemotherapy uh with radiation injury uh recovery um and also from surgical recovery as well from radiation i'm sorry from cancer treatments or cancer surgeries but also any type of surgery hyperbaric therapy is going to get you better faster somewhere between 30 to 70% faster recovery times for somebody getting into the chamber after they get a surgery because of that ability to heal and to oxygenate and to prevent tissue that would potentially have a harder time healing, make it heal faster.
0: This episode is also brought to you by Optimizers and the Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package. So if any of you guys are dealing with suboptimal digestion, characterized by gas, bloating, your stomach feeling distended or like it's sticking out after certain meals, if you get sluggish, if you deal with constipation or diarrhea, you're going to want to pay attention because it usually comes down to one of three things being off. The first is low stomach acid production. The second is low enzyme production. And the third is gut dyspnea. Biosis, meaning you have too many of the "quote unquote" bad bugs in your gut and not enough of the good ones. And the Buy Optimizers Biohacking Secrets Upgraded Digestion Package addresses all of these root causes of suboptimal digestion. It's the best value you could possibly get if you are looking to take 30 days and turn your digestion completely around. And you can get that for just 177 bucks. It's usually 270 bucks by going to BioOptimizers.com. Forward slash biohacks. That's b i o p t i m i z e r s dot com forward slash b i o h a c k s to check out the exclusive biohacking secrets upgraded digestion package for just one hundred and seventy seven bucks today. This is a challenge, especially when you start getting into some of the chronic infections, Lyme disease, where the body is is no longer as effective at at producing endogenous uh, antioxidants and, and neutralizing. Um, some of that oxidative stress do you guys i i 've been told that there are certain things that you can look for in laboratory tests and even in genes that can indicate how well someone may respond to oxidative therapies like ozone or or hyperbaric mm-hmm. um, do you guys look for some of those things or do you typically have supplement protocols like n-acetylcysteine or glutathione or vitamin c that you use to prepare people where that could be an issue what's your approach
1: so initially my approach was to harness the power of my network and give people um, functional medicine doctors or other providers to do some of the testing that i felt would be helpful because i found out pretty early on like you were saying anthony that if you put somebody in in the chamber that does not have this capacity they are not going to feel good and they may not have the benefit of feeling better. There is some people that I've found that will have this effect where they get worse, but then they get better. It's sort of the ability of the body to sort of regenerate itself. And, but that's not the majority of people, actually, the majority of people that have significant oxidative stress before they get into a chamber, high inflammatory markers, lots of inflammatory load, they are not going to be as they're not going to get through therapy and do, do well in my, in my experience. And so I was starting initially to send people out and, but then, you know, I realized part of my practice was really missing to have that foundational approach. And so for me, what I do, and I know you've had Dr. Ted on the, on the podcast talking about mm-hmm. health optimization medicine. Um, I work as the the chief operating officer of our nonprofit with him and I have that as part of my own practice, which is looking at vitamins, minerals, nutrients, antioxidant levels, toxins, fatty acid, oxidation, macronutrients, um, looking at uh, gut health and immune health. And doing all of that together, I can get a really great sense of how well somebody's going to do in the chamber. So it really became and evolved to be the foundation of my practice, which is health optimization medicine. That... I feel is extremely important, and it kind of goes to the the point before that if you have an acute injury, you just need to get into the chamber honestly, and then we can just give you some supplements to make you optimize that protocol If you have a lot of inflammatory load before, we can give you some stuff empirically without knowing what's going on with your with your with your biology. but if we have more time, if something is, has been ongoing for a longer period of time. And that's when you really want to do the testing and understand what your physiology is right now. How are your cells working in real time to understand how we can support you before getting into the chamber and after and during, and then after you're in the chamber as well. So in the past, I've used, you know, IV glutathione and phosphatidylcholine. I've used IV MAC as well. In some cases, I've used uh, phenobutyrate. I've used a lot of different things during treatment. But I've found over the years that it's better for me to enhance their ability to harness energy effectively and detox effectively before they go into the chamber and then use those same techniques while they're in the chamber as well. And then sometimes adding in other technologies or practices while they're in the chamber to help with detox. And one of the ones you mentioned was actually that I use is, is I've recommended significant numbers of people think about rectal ozone, for example, which is really good for... Detoxification, detoxification of the gut while somebody's getting hyperbaric therapy. Uh, we've been there are some experimental pro- protocols using like IV ozone hyperbaric therapy and rectal at the same time. But that's a significant oxidative load, and so you have to make mm-hmm. sure that your patients, my patients, in this case would be very would be able to tolerate all of that at the same time. So mm-hmm. that's I guess the best way to describe it for me is that I have a foundational approach that looks at real-time cellular data looks at gut health looks at immune health and then creates a plan that uses that data and then dietary lifestyle changes supplements and then hopefully for about a three-month period of time if i can and then after that three-month period of time then getting them in the chamber and then using the technology the hyperbaric chambers to optimize their physiology to do all the things that we've talked about Um, and then on a lot of cases i'm working with other practitioners at the same time for specialty types of things so if it's Lyme for example I'm working with a Lyme literate doctor you know if it's um, traumatic brain injury I might be working with a neurofeedback specialist um, mm-hmm. if it's uh, like reflex sympathetic dystrophy I might or like you know complex pain issues I might be talking working with a pain doctor or working with mental health practitioners um, or having people leave the country and do things that are illegal here you know all those kinds of things you know depending on what's really needed but the foundation doesn't change for me. The foundation is health optimization medicine, which is a physiologic shift in optimi- optimizing that physiology and in real time at the cellular level. And then hyperbaric therapy as my sort of op- my optimal biohack, my the most amazing biohack that ever existed, biohack.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. I'm a big fan and it's growing on me. And, you know, before we transition to health optimization medicine, the for people that, you know, I was, I was diagnosed with chronic Lyme in 2011 Mm. and, um, because of my story, we now, you know, work with a lot of people at various stages of, of that journey. And, you know, maybe Mm. it's someone that's had it for a while, but they're hitting sticking points or someone that was just diagnosed and doesn't know how to, how to sort fact from fiction or or where to begin. Um, what, what do your protocols look like for someone who is, uh, who's dealing with chronic
1: Lyme? Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I learned hyperbaric medicine from uh, actually uh, the nurse who worked at my facility who had Lyme disease and she had chronic Lyme. So I learned so much from her and her experience and also the experience of a lot of the people that were in in her network coming to our clinic because they had Lyme as well. And over the years, Anthony, I've really come to the conclusion that if you're not 60 to 70 percent better already, you should not get into a hyperbaric chamber immediately because i 've found that if you 're not already that much better that I often don 't see people see the benefits long term that uh, we would like to see uh, because i've still i 've had people relapse after getting treatment if they 've not been at that level i 've seen them just not do as well so if you 're not somewhere between sixty to seventy percent better already, then I would potentially hold off of getting into a hyperbaric chamber. It's really good for that final push and Mm. also really good in combination with working with another practitioner that has some knowledge about chronic Lyme or whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's lots of different things that people describe with Lyme. Is it Lyme disease? Is it just an autoimmune problem because of the Lyme organism and Lyme is not even an issue anymore. There's all these other pieces, right?
0: Is it a, is it a low level viral infection? And we're just looking at the Lyme, but we're not even paying attention to herpes, the herpes family, Epstein-Barr, shingles, right. my yeah. Yeah, HPV.
1: My feel with all that, Anthony, is that that's all immune dysregulation. And it may have started off with Lyme. It may have started off with something else. You don't know. But really, when it comes down to it, you need to enhance your immune system function. You need to allow your immune system to work well so that it can suppress all those viruses that all of us have. And probably most of us, I mean, I grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in New York. I very likely was I have Lyme disease probably too. All very. There is probably a significant number of us that have Lyme already, but it doesn't manifest, right? And then why does it manifest is the question. It manifests because of other immune system problems or immune systems, immune suppression because of other things in our life. Mental, psychosocial, physiological. I mean, I've had patients with traumatic brain injuries that we think is just a brain injury. Like they, they got hit in their head, they were fine before. They get into a chamber, they don't get better. Then we find out they had Lyme disease, and it was never an issue before, but then they smacked their head, their blood-brain barrier got leaky, and all of a sudden, their threshold was met, and now they've, they have Lyme disease. They have Lyme symptoms, but they didn't have any symptoms before. Mm-hmm. It's actually a common scenario in my world is that you think that it's one thing, and then you find out it's chronic infection, um, mm-hmm. but it, and it wasn't what you thought it was initially. So it's important to know, at least from my perspective, that what you need to start off with everybody is let's cultivate your immune system health. Let's cultivate your cellular health, your gut health. Let's make sure you're getting, you know, good sunlight and everything and and you're drinking the right water and you're not getting toxic exposures. And all that stuff is primary. I think what happens in functional medicine, even though I have a lot of friends in functional medicine um, is that you start, you know, going down these rabbit holes of, like, let's just treat this. Let's look for the root cause of that instead of saying, well, wait a second, before we do any of that stuff, you know, let's just, let's, let's like, let's work on that foundational stuff first. And then that's my experience with hyperbaric medicine, too. I think everybody can benefit from hyperbaric therapy, just when they can benefit and when it's most optimal for them. So, in line mm-hmm. specifically, 60 to 80% better to, to give like a bigger range, depending on the person, for that, that final push. I've seen a lot of benefit uh, in getting inside the chamber. But before that, it's a case-by-case basis in my perspective. And if you're not working with somebody that has Lyme experience, I I often don't, I I try to get people to consider doing that before getting to the chamber as well.
0: Yeah. And do you, is it, is it typically 20 sessions, 40 sessions? Do you do 20 and then evaluate progress and reassess assuming they're 60, 70, 80% better before, before engaging in hyperbaric.
1: So, yeah. And in, in that case, we're usually talking about 40 sessions for most people, sometimes 20. I've had some patients that are like 80 or 90% better do really well with 20, mm-hmm. but the further percentage down you are, likely the more you're going to need as well so i mean our protocols are usually 40 treatments for for lyme i would say okay sometimes more sometimes more but in general that would be where i would say and i want to ask about some of the
0: things that someone who may be listening that is on their journey with lyme could do to to get to that 60 70 percent place um but just because of all the talk we've had around stem cells and, and different therapies that exist now, how, how do you feel that hyperbaric compares with stem cells? Is it, is, is it uh, something that you recommend in conjunction? Is it you know do hyperbaric first um, or mm-hmm. you're going to get a lot of the benefits of stem cells just by doing 20, 40 uh, sessions of hyperbaric? What's your position on that?
1: So interestingly, I mean just to for Lyme for a second, like some people are actually using stem cell therapy for Lyme disease, which I find Exactly. I was, that was yeah. kind of why I was asking. I'm giving the, you the I'm giving you the dovetail for your listeners too because um, I've that. seen I've seen some of the I've seen some of this happening and I think that's mostly related to immune system function. Again, not so much the Lyme organism itself as to why stem cells seem to help in some of these patients. Um so stem cells, there's different types of stem cells, right? There's, there's stem cells that come from your bone marrow. There are stem cells that get, that get housed in your fat tissue. There are stem cells that are in umbilical cords, right? So there's, uh, there's stem cells in placenta. Um, there's lots of different types of stem cells. What hyperbaric therapy does is stimulate the production of stem cells that are being made in your bone marrow and in your brain tissue. Now, it's not making new Stem cells. It's just allowing those stem cells to be released. So these are your own endogenous stem cells. These are yours, right? So they are yours and they can actually produce any type of tissue in your body that's required. But they are as old as you are on some level, right? Because they are your stem cells. So um, for most indications, your stem cells are probably as much as you would need to optimize your physiologic function. But not all indications there's are. And so what I, I often say is that it depends on what we're talking about here, but in general, from like a healing perspective, um, your stem cells being released is very helpful. So if you're getting a surgery, if you know, you're getting surgery, um, if you know, you're getting any kind of procedure where you need your body to heal. Um, often what we'll do is have people get into the chamber before the surgery. So two to three treatments before you get into it. Before two or three chamber treatments before you get the surgery, you're going to get a significant number of stem cells released. And you want to go to deeper pressures if possible, like two atmospheres, 2.4, because that's going to get more stem cells that are released. Then you get your surgery or your procedure, or you're actually getting stem cells infused. That's another thing we can talk about in a minute. Um, Then you're going to get more stem cells already available to help that tissue heal. And so that's that's really what I recommend. And we, there is some literature to show that as well. If you combine uh, a surgical procedure uh, with pre-hyperbaric therapy, so you do some pre-treatment with hyperbaric therapy, you can get a faster healing process, a faster recovery process um, along the way. Now, another way that hyperbaric therapy is used is for stem cell harvesting. So if you're going to get a stem cell procedure where your stem cells are being taken, so are they getting taken from your your hip bone, for example, is the most common place where stem cells are taken from, um, or if they're blood-related stem cells as well, because they're going to be circulating more after they're released from the bone marrow, you can get into the chamber for three to five sessions again, you're going to get a higher yield of stem cells than you would have otherwise, exponentially so. So that is another way that we use hyperbaric therapy. Now, the combination of hyperbaric therapy and stem cells is There's not a huge amount of data here, but the way we think about this, the way I think about this, is that usually the stem cells that you're getting infused in this capacity are not your own, although they can be. But if you're looking at a lot of the clinics that are popping up around the world that are using umbilical cells, some embryonic, but mostly umbilical, um, and some other stem cell-like products like V cells um, as well, Um, these things are being used Um, for conditions like traumatic brain injury and dementia and anoxic brain injury in kids. So those protocols for us, what we're looking at now is usually getting a block of hyperbaric therapy, somewhere like 30 to 40 treatments. And then after that, going to get your other types of stem cells, whether it be any of the ones that I've described to you before, and then allowing the combination be the synergistic to help with the healing process. But that's all really conjecture right now. We don't really know, honestly, honestly Anthony, but, you know, we, we do think that um, the combination is synergistic, but probably not at the same time, you know, in the sense of like getting exogenous stem cells and endogenous at the same time, like your own body stem cells that we've created in the chamber, um, we don't think that exactly at the same time makes the most sense. We think likely it's after the procedure, after the hyperbaric therapy protocol is done, then doing the different stem cell um, type, and then you know having the combination like that. But we're not sure exactly
0: that's that's fascinating okay awesome and then so to kind of bring it back into health optimization medicine let's say there's there's someone that's dealing with Lyme or something something chronic and they want to get back to they want to get up to that 60 seventy percent plus what are some of the if you could only have Two max three tests that you would that you would order, and some of the protocols that you've seen a lot of success with. Maybe these are some of your other favorite biohacks in addition to hyperbaric. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we, we could help point any listeners in the right direction, yeah, so sure. um,
1: yeah yeah, my my approach is a really simple approach, Anthony, and I got this from working with Dr. Ted over the years, really, is that we can approach the disease. We can approach the condition, and we have to, absolutely. But setting that aside for just a minute, all of us need to have a foundational cellular biology physiology that's working as well as it can. And so before even addressing Lyme or addressing any condition, I set those aside and I focus on health. I focus on cultivating health using just three tests. So you gave me three. I'll give you three. And so one is a metabolic assessment, so metabolomics, which is looking at real-time cellular data, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, toxins, antioxidants, and then looking at microbiota, looking at gut health, and looking at food sensitivity intolerance, immune health. So I use those three tests as the foundation of my practice. I optimize all of those things, optimize all those levels, Um, creating supplement dietary lifestyle protocols that uses those along with the other pillars of of health optimization medicine, you know, chronobiology, so circadian rhythms, evolutionary biology, exposomics, which is, you know, toxins in our environment. Um, What else? Um, The mitochondria specifically, like light water magnetism, making sure you're getting good sunlight, you know, making sure you're grounding, making sure you're drinking good water. So all of that is, no matter what you have going on, all of that is important. And, you know, that's why... I gravitated towards this because I felt that given my background as the son of a chiropractor, somebody that grew up very outside of all these windows and boxes and everything was out of the box, I felt compelled to create a holistic plan for my patients. But I, I was not driven towards functional medicine because this, the focus on root cause felt to me still somewhat misguided for me, you know, because I felt that my passion was more on health and so but I can translate this work to anybody whether you are sick and in chronic everything or you have nothing wrong and you're just looking for optimal performance this is a this is something that we all need Mm -hmm. and so once that is all built once that foundation is built then it's the next step I, in my experience, or even in conjunction, is to go to a Lyme literate physician. For example, if you have Lyme disease or if you have a chronic condition that somebody specializes in um, specifically, they're going to see that particular person. So if it's pain, if it's trauma, um, if, it's, um, if it's immune system function, if there's other things that need to be done. You know, For me, my framework is health optimization medicine. That's my framework for all the biohacking and all the optimal performance work that I do. I just happen to be a specialist and really feel strongly that hyperbaric therapy is this technology that can do fantastic, fantastic things to our physiology and help to optimize, accelerate, and synergize. Um, but there's a lot of other things that I like, too. There is lots of technologies that I use. Uh, we can talk about some. I have practitioners that I refer to, and I have supplements and other things that we talk about uh, that you talk about as well that I also use along the way, depending on uh, what's needed and not just what's, you know, sort of required on that foundational level.
0: Yeah. So the, the metabolomics, uh, metabolic assessment, is that an internal test that you guys created? Is it a test that you order like, you know, an organic acids with a DNA and you're, you're kind of looking at
1: overlap or how does that work? So we use a diagnostic company called Genova, Genova Diagnostics, which many people in the functional space know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're the one test we typically use is the NutriVal, um, which is uh, it's blood and urine together. So looking at urine organic acids, looking at plasma amino acids, looking at um, signs of oxidative stress in the urine and blood, heavy metal toxins, um, mineral levels. So there are more tests you can do for all of these things that are more specialized, but it's kind of like an 80, 20 thing, Anthony, like, you know, this is 80% of the benefit for 20% of the testing. And mm-hmm. you can, and some people absolutely need more specialized testing, no doubt about it, but I think everybody can start here and then not mutually exclusively to the other aspects of what they're looking to do. So I'm very aware that this is just often the first step for many people with chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And then this is just the first step, layer of the onion or one of the layers, maybe even the outer layer of the onion, honestly, and then going inside to each of the levels inside of looking at all the other aspects of their physiology, their psychosocial, emotional health, their physical health, you know, all these other things that are required, you know, as you sort of deep inside those layers to, to deal with, you know, the biology of belief and the biology of, of, of your understanding of of, of how you interact with the world. And that's when we get into meditative practices, you know, contemplative practices, um, neurofeedback and other ways of understanding how your brain works. And again, I'm just rambling, but you get the idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, that's, um, that's fascinating. And with the, the microbiota, I mean, there's, there's companies now Viome has, has gained massive traction and popularity. Um, my, my younger brother we, we found this interesting because I've now worked with a few siblings that were both diagnosed with, with Lyme disease, mm. and, uh, and then just this past December, when my brother was on his way back, my mom let me know that he wasn't feeling that well and that I should probably have some things ready, because, you know it could be a- any number of things. We did some tests. He came back positive for, for Lyme disease. And we were just having a discussion these past few days. I was back home in Chicago, and he said, "You know, if I really think back." a lot of these symptoms probably began when i was 16 years old you know so he's 33 now mm-hmm. and he goes if i if 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 i really reflect on it they started in my gut the first weird symptoms that i experienced that seemed unusual mm-hmm. gas bloating difficulty with certain meals mm-hmm. and you know and and over decades it it's now sort of turned into this, this diagnosis, and neither of us are too fixated on the Borrelia bacteria, but I I do think that it's, it's interesting that you guys are taking a close look at the microbiota and what type of colonization is taking place. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? How does what you do compare to say a biome and are you guys looking at leaky gut as well? And is that something that you feel is a product of the microbiota and, and the composition thereof, or is it this interplay where we've now created so much radiation as well, that that's also contributing. We got stuff in our water that's killing the good bugs and allowing the bad bugs to flourish. What's what's your perspective? And maybe you can elaborate a little bit on the microbiota component.
1: You just reminded me of something funny. I, I have four kids and I have to figure out ways of making them brush their teeth. Because for whatever reason, kids don't like brushing their teeth. I don't, I don't know why that is. I have to like hold my two and a half year old down, It's entertaining. <laughs> but I try to tell them like you're, when you brush, you're, you're, you're making sure that you get the good bugs to grow and you're, and you, and you don't brush the bad bugs overgrow and make your teeth rot. And, uh, and it's, it's funny because we think of it sort of like as good, bad, but like, it's a bit of a, there's so much more nuance to it, right? Because good bugs in too much quantity can be bad and bad bugs um, in, in, in actually in certain quantities are okay. Right? It's like there's actually this sort of balancing act. And so, you know, it's funny. I brought a
0: very dualistic perspective to that question. I apologize.
1: You no, it's okay. <laughs> I, I use it with my kids. I mean, and I think all of us use it to some degree. Um, but, you know, there is no you and me. Come on, Anthony, right? We're mm-hmm. all you and me, right? Um, right. You talk about it. I'm going to right? need yeah. to hit the meditation yeah. hard in my <laughs> hyperbaric <laughs> session later. <laughs> yeah, do it. I mean, it can get psychedelic in there, man. I don't know if you've tried it, but <laughs> we can talk about it another time. But, <laughs> um, or now, or later, if you want. Let's, uh, let's but, do it. We'll take it. <laughs> um, but, the, uh, but with the gut itself, you know, it's funny. In medical school, this is only... I graduated my residency uh, 10 years ago this year, and I learned zero about the microbiota, except that we kill it with antibiotics. Mm. And that if you only... It's good they're teaching uh, that now. <laughs> yeah, so now at least <laughs> we know that there is these bugs in our gi system starting from our mouth you know but most con- most concentrated in our colon that have a significant role in our optimized physiology like they make our vitamins they make our neurotransmitters um without without them, we can't activate vitamins without them we can't digest our foods i mean it's 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 actually amazing and now we have all these correlates you know from a brain health perspective from a gut health perspective, like things like Crohn's disease and alternative colitis, to immune system problems, to depression. I mean, I've seen people over the years just start taking a probiotic and their depression goes away, right? And then there's all these questions about leaky gut and what does that mean and and how correlated that is. And, and, And now there's also information that, the microbiota actually talk to our cells, talk to our mitochondria and tell them what's going on. And like there's this inter-kingdom crosstalk, it's called, where things are communicating across species. And like it's crazy and and, like and amazing and that we are just a very small human player in this huge we call it the holobiont is the fancy word but this huge m- macro organism that we are that we're made up of a bacteria virus fungus all over us in our auras around us that are different colors if, if you're on certain drugs I guess but like you know but but in general we're just sort of like this wash of bacteria virus and you know that's what people are scared about now with all these you know these viral things that are playing around in the news but but at the same time our guts are where things are most concentrated, and now we can test our guts. And there's clinically validated tests that have been around a long time. So we marry these clinical, clinically validated testing with that that GI doctors would even validate things like um, inflammatory markers, you know, parasites, um, insufficiency markers, like if you aren't. You know, digesting your fat well, digesting protein well, so we can use those, and then also looking at some of the newer markers of imbalance, of overgrowth, of leaky gut, um, and then looking at some of that bacteria. So we use a test by Genova called GI There are mm-hmm. other ones out there. Viome, do is do, one that you do can the try. three
0: the three day sample.
1: Yeah, three day is better than one. We think mm-hmm. from a sample because, and that's the challenge I have with a couple of the tests like Viome that are just a single small sample is that it's a very your shit changes so quickly um and you're the beginning of your crap versus the end of your crap and the same day is going to change as well sounds
0: like you're y- yelling at your significant other right now
1: <laughs> <laughs> my poop is my significant other it's, come on i have a life and that that's really my significant other but um <laughs> but it's your shit changes. I mean, it changes after you didn't sleep, after you did sleep, after a flight. Um, Dr. Ted likes to talk about how your gut microbiota is still sleeping. If you're 12 hours ahead or below or behind after you've, you know, you've gone on a flight and then you're trying to eat and it doesn't know what to do because it's sleeping, you know? So, um, it changes. It's got circadian rhythms. It's, it's got all this stuff going on. And so, um, a better sample is, you know, I think a three-day sample at the least. And then looking at things over time is important, especially when you're looking at bacterial colonies or fungal colonies. Um, So that's my main issue with some of the other testing out there that's just focused on the bacteria, the fungus, and the virus without looking at a longer sample and also looking at some of those more clinically validated markers that, you know, that I learned in medical school as well.
0: Beautiful. And then what, what are some of your other favorite tools, biohacks, that, uh, that you utilize in, in your health optimization medicine practice, and, or, or that haven't Personally. made it into your practice, but you, you believe are on, on the forefront of uh, this movement?
1: So when I found out I was having four kids which was a surprise to me. We thought we were having three. Um, I bought myself my favorite biohacking tool um, for my own room in my house uh, because I have a three-bedroom, one-bath in small San Francisco where I live. Um, Earplugs? Earplugs are nice. (laughs) I use those. Um, But an infrared sauna. Um, So that's probably my favorite... Technology and tool that I, I recommend to almost all of my clients as well, um, because it's a fantastic tool for uh, a place to meditate for me as well, as a place mm-hmm. for me to detox um, and uh, a place to get away from everything else and close the door and say this is Daddy's place and they know I, mm-hmm. go, I go in there. So I usually at night and I usually combine that with you know various other types of uh, practices. It, it could be meditation, it could be movement. Um, I've been working a lot more on like muscle and fascial health lately and. Um, I have uh, I have uh, an inversion table, so I, I like inversion tables a lot. Do you use one as well?
0: I use the, the gravity boots on a pull-up bar outside. So after I'm warm, either having finished nice. a workout or a workout and sauna, I throw on the boots and I go hang for three to five, uh, probably about three times a week.
1: That's great. Yeah, I use the teeter, which is, you know, like about 70% or 70 degrees, yep. I'd say. And so yeah. I use that. You know, about three to five times a week. And, you know, I've been look, working on rolling and balls and all these other kinds of things that I'm, I'm just learning now, you know. Um, so, but I'm I'm really, I'm really enjoying all of that. Um, the biggest thing otherwise that I, I, I'm very, I'm very, I think emphatic about a couple of things, I guess one of them is light, light exposure. So mm-hmm. I'm very, it's very important for me like I usually would be wearing yellow lenses in my office here, but you know, for the camera today, I decided regular uh, mitochondria, mitochondrial damage would be okay. But um,
0: <laughs> you've inspired um, me to, to to put on my uh, my yellow
1: blue blocks. So thank you. I have them. I'll I'll I have you. them someplace. I have. I don't even. I may have forgotten mine at home today. Um, but so light exposure. We talk about that a lot with with our mm-hmm. clients and myself and my kids, and and we try to make sure that we have the right lights in the house and on the right times of day. Do you um, use
0: uh, amber incandescent or? sunlights we we've, we've got some red lights here from sunlight we've got some of the amber incandescent or like edison bulbs uh, yeah we got the what's old your bulbs go-to?
1: we got some of the old bulbs the, the old edison bulbs yeah
0: yep. they're they're now. great they just burn out fast
1: they burn out mm-hmm. a lot quicker They do. And they, and they do kind of suck energy a little bit too. So there's that, but, um, so we use that. And then most of it for us is just trying to use as much natural lighting as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, my kids, you know, it's not some, they're they're young, so it's not that big a deal for mostly it's for me. It's I have my orange lenses at at night and, uh, you know, my wife can sleep through, um, earthquakes so she can, she doesn't seem to have as many issues as me. I, I think, you know, for, for me, I like to try to do as much as I can uh, for circadian rhythms and, and for mm-hmm. light exposure. And the light's a big one. Um, the other big one for me is just uh, trying to encourage a meditative practice. Um, yeah. That's probably the other bigger, uh, sort of more ancient biohack, if you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I, I meditate at least, at least try to do two to three times a day. Um, oh, not, wow. Yeah, If I can, but not, not usually for long periods of time for, you know, for 10 to 20 minutes, you know, three times a day, the the hardest one for me to get in usually is the morning one. Uh, mm-hmm. But the afternoon one is, is is really important. and The evening one's really nice as a way to kind of, um, uh, to relax and to kind of get, get your sleep, uh, get you down into deep wave, getting your deep sleep quicker. Um, mm-hmm. I used to be only into uh, sort of non-guided meditations, but recently I've been, gravitating towards, you know, especially when it's harder to, to maintain your focus, the guided mm-hmm. meditations could be really nice. And, you know, Sam Harris has his, has his uh, waking, waking up, up app. appetite, yeah. which is nice. I mean, I can't listen to Sam when I drive because he puts me to bed, but in the mornings he's good because he's a good, he's got a good voice for like the, the helping you focus. And you know, for me, I'm like a type A guy. So like in the morning in my mind, like a lot of people, like all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, you know, like all of a sudden your mind is like going a million times, a second. So Mm -hmm. it's a nice way to kind of wake up. Um, meditation is a really big one for me and I've learned a lot from Dr. Ted over the years. He's really got fantastic ideas and perspective of, of how really to integrate meditation into your daily practices, into your days. And not only during those meditative times, but also maintaining awareness, um, you know, throughout the days is is sort of my, my goal. If I have one is to try to continue to maintain that awareness. And I try to encourage my clients to do the same. Um, those are some other I mean I have a lot of other technologies I like um, what 's another um, if, if, if you had to name one that
0: 's up there with stem cells with hyperbaric that you feel is is on the forefront or that you 're really excited about what what comes to mind
1: hmm. I really think that the, the sort of old is new kind of deals um, mm-hmm. i've been really interested in in cold I think cold is probably my other major one for people um Mm -hmm. because you know there's so many things about cold that people don't like um and i and that can be such can be so transformative from a from a psychological perspective not even a physiological perspective so i think there's so much in it and I'm, i'm loving that more people are interested in it now and so i talk about cold showers you know um cold tubs and less as much on the cryo side, but I still think cryos can be helpful for people. Um, You know, I think, I think that's really, I've been gravitating lately more to the simple things, honestly, Anthony, because like there's a lot of fancy technologies. Like there's really this really cool mitochondrial PO2 meter that I think is, it's like 80,000 euros where you can measure your mitochondria's real time oxygen utilization, which I think is super cool. But Mm -hmm. It's expensive, and not everybody can use it um mm-hmm. so i I like it but i I just try to think of the simple things that people can do that are that are not that expensive you know that that are more yeah. uh more apt to be used.
0: This episode of the Biohacking Secret Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin, and we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate, and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product, and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrated, meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic. And then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD and the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day. And it even decreases in inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra C B D and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys want to check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to the VeritasFarms.com forward slash biohacks. I'll spell it out. T-H-E-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-M-S dot com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the Veritas Farms C B D. You guys are going to absolutely love it. Dr. Schallenberger has has done some good work with his bioenergy testing. That's a little bit more more accessible than yeah, uh, than, than eighty thousand euros. But I agree. You know, there's there's so many biohacks that have broken down over the years where even ones that I really enjoy, it's just, it, be, it becomes a little bit of that, like the things you own end up owning you where like, you've got all this stuff and then some of it breaks and you got to send it back in or this or that. And I'm like, okay, what are a few of the things yeah. that really move the needle in a huge way? And like some of the, the best natural high I've ever had, uh, it, it used to come when I jump in Lake Michigan in the wintertime, in mm-hmm. Chicago. And I would come out of there with eight to 10 hours of almost euphoric energy that I have been unable to recreate in, you know, I was just doing cold showers in Chicago this past weekend. We've got a, a 16 cubic foot freezer from home Depot that we've nice. converted. Um, nice. we you know, we were doing ice baths out there, but I haven't been able to, to recreate that, that same experience. You're all Perhaps younger, I'm
1: guessing at the time. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe that's it. It's, um, <laughs> um, that, neuro, that 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 burst of uh, mm-hmm. neurotransmitters that's it's a lot more. Robust as we're younger. As we get older, it's harder to get that same kind of feel. Um, yes, well, oh,
0: you got me, you got me, you got me feeling like old balls right now. But uh, no, well, it's, you're, all relative, you're, it's all yeah, relative,
1: my friend. Yeah, yeah,
0: you're probably right. Um, l- last but not least, I know I, I want to be respectful of your time, and I really appreciate you sharing so much so much wisdom with us. Let's talk about cognitive performance. Yeah, that's um, That's
1: another biohack that I was gonna mention yeah. too, too. Yes.
0: Yeah. So there's, um, you know, I have, I have a box of, uh, the blue canatine from, uh-huh. from, uh, transcriptions, the company that you're a part of. And yes, I, I love yes. it. You guys, um, it was, it was funny. I was in Mexico doing just a quantum reset a couple weeks ago. So I wanted to, I wanted to go there. I got a small place on the ocean and tell check, uh, nice. very remote every morning was sunrise swimming in the ocean I'd do some, um, some exercise, um, outdoors. And then I dive into work and, uh, I had some of the samples at the time from you guys. So I was using those when I'd go into these, in these work blocks and, uh, my friend and, and client Frank, we actually just released a podcast with him, but you know, he came for Lyme disease and, and we made some huge progress together. And we were sitting outside my place talking one night. He's like, have you tried this stuff? Blue canotine? And I'm like, I've been using it here, and he's like, it is fantastic, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, how do you know about it? He's living in the middle of nowhere, in Mexico, and he oh, knows he about it. There. Oh wow! He lives he lives down there, and he's been wow. he's been using it too. So, I mean, what you guys maybe you can explain a little bit more. We did sure. we did an episode with uh, Dr. Ted Achacoso and, and 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 covered some of it, but just a quick thirty thousand foot overview of of what blue canatine is all about, and um, you know what yeah. you guys yeah created there.
1: Yeah, so you know we have a nonprofit, right? And we have this nonprofit that is looking to educate doctors and practitioners called health optimization medicine in practice. Mm -hmm. And we are clinicians. Ted and I are both clinicians. We see patients, we see clients, and we know that on the path to optimal health, there are roadblocks. And one of those roadblocks could be cognitive capacity, cognition. And so we created Dr. Ted's formula here, created a line of products, this is the first of many, that are really addressing those bottlenecks, those, those challenges across that, those, those past optimal wellness. And so we also love nootropics. We also love you know, supplements and, and processes and ways to enhance cognitive function. And there are many of these products out there, but what we, what we looked to do was if we could do something that was precision-dosed, um, that was pharmaceutical grade that kind of met the criteria for us to recommend them to our clients on their path to optimal health. Um, then we could really you know, have something there. And so we spent a long time um, after Ted initially developed a formula as a gum using these four synergistic nootropic ingredients. And those nootropic, nootropic ingredients include you know, caffeine, methylene blue, hemp oil, otherwise known as other things, um, and um, and nicotine. And so those four things together, synergistically in low dose, each of them combine for this fantastic cognitive performance boost. And I mean, I got to tell you, I was shocked when I first tried this, like a couple, of, we did, we've been in development with this for three years, Anthony. And the reason why it took so long is that we cared about each and every step of the process. Delivery methods. So we have it in a troche form. A troche is a dissolvable buccal lozenge. So you keep it in your mouth and it dissolves over 15 to 30 minutes and it goes directly into your bloodstream. It bypasses first pass metabolism in the liver. So it gives you this ramp up over 50 to 15 to 30 minutes, but it's not an initial hit either. So it's not so quick that it gives you like this jolt. And then we also put in some of that hemp in it so that the neuroprotective and anti-inflammatory and sort of calming aspects of the hemp plant allowed that ramp up to happen over that 15 to 30 minutes, and then maintain this cognitive performance edge for between, for some people, it's it's as three hours, other people, it's five or seven hours, depending on their metabolism. And the idea was, you know, let's do something that made a huge difference, but also could have a significant application in the clients that we were treating, knowing that the people that were going to benefit the most from this were those that are already on their way to optimal health, that they were already looking at these aspects of their biology. And this was just another way to enhance them along the way. And now they had to write the paper, they had to give the lecture, they had to, you know, be more focused. They actually wanted to be able to establish their meditative practice and have better. Results quicker, and that's actually something that has happened happened to me. Actually, is that you know meditating with blue is a fantastic experience because your ability to continue to maintain your focus on your breath, or however your practice is, is a lot easier. So, the idea with this product is, you know, is all of the things that I've described is, and we've gotten fantastic, fantastic results. From internal testing and now for external testing, you know, for the users that somehow your your friend in Mexico got, we were sending out samples, we were getting feedback, um, and then we had we had a lot of pent up demand when we launched, you know, several weeks ago, um, and now we're seeing it in the wild. We're seeing people use it for all these different different ideas of what this could potentially be used for. I mean, and Methylene Blue obviously gives this fantastic fantastic marketing tool your tongue mm-hmm. at the same time so yeah there you go nice both, both both of us are sticking out our blue tongues love it how have you experienced it so far Anthony like have you been using it in a particular way like for cognitive perspective or yeah we've we've
0: we're at a point right now where most day. I mean I've been I've been working weekends most of the past few weeks just because of how much we have on our plate we just brought on uh, a new team member who's been mm-hmm amazing, but we're getting her caught up to speed and there's, there's a lot that's required. So I've been using it usually four or five days a week. Um, and then trying to taper off two to three to, to prevent any possible adaptation or uh, tolerance. And yeah, I mean, I, I was mentioning to you offline. I had a pretty big talk, uh, a week and a half ago and I woke up, I took a full lozenge went for, a, which is a comparatively high dose. I didn't realize that people were doing. Uh, a people quarter. Just need a
1: quarter. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, a, a quarter. So, um, did that, got a workout in, and then did another one about an hour before the speech, and it went fantastic. I mean, I had, I had one page of just a couple bullets, and I talked mm-hmm. for, I did a 60 minute talk with a 30 minute QA, and it felt like I was in flow state for a lot of it far awesome. better than far better than some, um, some other talks I've given in the past. And I do think that having my brain dialed in beforehand and, and using some of these uh, you know, what is it? 5 H2 a receptor agonists. Is that the, the nerd speak for what we've got going on in there?
1: So that's the, so there's the 5 H2 a is, is a serotonin receptor agonist and mm. like that's there's the nicotine caffeine and CBD do not work actually at that receptor. That receptor is more being used by um, some of the the psychedelics, you know, like mm. so like the like the mushrooms and the and LSD and uh, and and, uh, and some of the other ones like that, and maybe ketamine as well. But so there's, there's not
0: as much on the serotonin pathway no. here with no. with the blue ketamine. No. Can- okay,
1: no, not the serotonin pathway. But what's interesting, you know, that when you have something like nicotine, um, nicotine it creates. Um, a stimulus for acetylcholinesterase or acetylcholine release, and acetylcholine release does, as a result of that, have a have a, um, a downstream effect on serotonin. So there is some effect on on multiple neurotransmitters. So just as a as, as to give like a, a framework there, but the the interesting thing about dosing, just to kind of give a point there, is that you know, we we created it so that each of the the um, is you can actually break up into four. So they have like little lines on them, easy to score it already. We find some people are really sensitive and just need a quarter to a half. My dose is a half. Others need a, a full dose, and some people seem to be needing more than a full dose to have the their optimal effect. And then it's what's it's just been really interesting to get that feedback over the last several weeks to see just the gamut of and the range. And so our instructions, you know, for us is that if you're caffeine sensitive to start off with a quarter, if you're not cancer, caffeine sensitive, like you can drink a couple, couple of cups, cups of coffee a day and start with a half. Um, if you're already pretty highly metabolic and you know, you kind of, you know, you have a high tolerance to things then start with a full. And so like, you know, the biohackers among us, you know, we talk we usually talk about, you know, full doses and then ramping it down if it's too much <laughs> um, because you know how biohackers are, they like to do the full thing and see how it feels. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, yeah it ranges, but like in general, the average dose for most people is actually around a half a half a dose and so but we had a couple bodybuilders, big guys a lot of a lot of a lot of muscle mass that need more as well, so you know it it 's been interesting to see, but what we found is that what users are telling us is that like you know, they 're turned on and like their brains are like focused but not in sort of like the adderall jittery kind of feel, but more just that they 're just turned on, they can speak more fluidly, they can think more laterally um they can, um, they, can, they can perform better in general. So it's been very interesting because, you know, we've, I've had my own experience with nootropics before. Dr. Ted has been using these for, for decades. He's formulated others, I'm sure, in his bathroom um, or in his kitchen. I mean, he has a CRISPR machine in his bathroom. I mean, the, the guy's crazy. But anyway, um, <laughs> that's a different story. But um, this is another tool in the stack. I think it's, what's different about it is that it's a synergistic Four ingredient stack that's you know novel, and I and I do think that um, we have something that's special here. We I, I do feel that way.
0: I, I agree, and just some of the feedback that we've got, you know, when when I come across things like this, we have a community now of of biohackers and people that are in our program that that really enjoy staying on the leading edge and being able to utilize these tools. So I shared this uh, with them. You know, when you guys did your your big public release after I'd been able to test it, I ordered as many as I could buy. And then I let, and then I let them know. And, um, one of our clients, Matt, who, you know, years ago was dealing with Lyme and then had gotten mm-hmm. himself to a place where he was, you know, he's back, he's, he's running a construction company that was, that was crushing it, but he'd sort of hit a wall in terms of, all right, here's how much time I have in the day. And here's, mm-hmm. I, I'm not making progress with what I'm doing in that time. We started working with him. And, um, one of the things, you know, I recommended this and, and he messaged me and he was like, Oh my gosh and he's like i just did i think his per- perfect dose was like a half you know yeah. but he's like yeah. i did a quarter i felt a little bit i did a half i feel amazing and i'm not running myself down with other things that could that that could be additional chronic stress on right. you know you yeah, some some of those stimulants, which which can have long term consequences or or keep you in uh, chronic sympathetic dominance, chronic fight or flight, you know, and send, so it's 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 not having that same effect or sending those same signals to the body, which is real exciting.
1: Yeah, and then the effect wanes after four hours, right? It's not mm-hmm. an effect where you feel like a withdrawal effect at that time frame, but you don't but you don't get that, you don't get a crash and you don't, you don't get stay, have to stay up all night either, right? Because that's the challenge of some of these stimulants and nootropics is that they last such a long time. It's like, it's hard to come down off of them. And when yeah. you do it's a crash. And so that we were very cognizant of that as we were formulating this as well. Another reason why it's a buccal lozenge and another reason why we have you know the hemp in there as well. It helps it so that there's more of a ramp up and down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean we've, we've, we've had that that feedback a lot. We had this funny thing. Well, this one person that came back feedback is like, I was working on something for two weeks, this coding problem. I took a blue canatine and I solved it. I'm not sure if it was the blue canatine or if I was just going to solve it anyway, but thank you. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> It's, it's fantastic free feedback. You know, you guys have created something that a lot of people don't want to live without. They right. could, but once once they've tasted what's possible for their cognitive performance and being able to condense time or, or solve problems from slightly different angles, it, it just feels inefficient to not use that tool intelligently.
1: Right. And I would say that if you are healthier, you are going to feel better. With this, then, if you're not as healthy, in a sense, mm-hmm. if you're if you have lots of lots of chronic inflammation, um, lots of chronic things, I would, you know, it would likely be a good idea to be addressing all of that at the same time as you're know, looking thinking about you know taking a blue canadine. you know, because that's what what our paradigm is. That's what our framework is. Is that we're helping people along their path to optimal health and using tools along the way that can help them, like blue canadine. Um, But it's really the the combination that's going to be most effective. For most people, like working on your optimal health, along with doing enhancers along the way, and seeing what's possible, and then getting yourself up from an optimal health perspective, and then you know keeping going. And there's no, there's no, you know, there's no top here. You can continue to optimize, and that's the thing. No matter where you are on your journey, there's always, you know, always more you can do. Not, not do, but always. I don't want to see it as like sort of an attainment thing. It's more that you have the ability to function even more optimally, likely than you already are, if you just you know, maintain and fulfill your your body's physiologic needs and optimize all of that. And then, you know, along the way you just go up and up and up and you know, that's, that's the idea. Right. And you know, if that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's physiologically, that's psychologically as well. It's an, and that's from the, on the meditative side and, and some of the other things that um you know, that you can do from like enhancing your, your mental state as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for those of you guys listening, if you want to check out Blue Canidine, you can go to, was it troscriptions.com? T-R-O-S-C-R-I-P-T-I-O-N-S.com. We've set up a discount code biohacks to save you some coin. uh, If you decide to invest, I I recommend, how are you guys doing on inventory? We're doing well. Doing
1: well so far. When we we initially produced... Well, when when we were going to scale, we knew that there's a lot of pent up demand. So Mm -hmm. we're good. And we're, we're, we have enough for everybody. That's the idea. For now, for now. (laughs) We're we're, we're making our second production run, uh, as well as we speak. So we're, we're very aware that we have uh, lots of demand and that's good. We're happy for that. Of course.
0: Fantastic. I'm happy as well. I have, I still currently have a stack in, in my closet with some other uh, supplement inventory, but I'm, I, I use them, as I mentioned, four or five times a week. So
1: yes, um, just make sure we people, people take them as directed, follow the directions of how to open the packaging. A lot of people have given us some feedback that the packaging is really hard to open. Why the hell did you make it so hard? And and so we have regulated ingredients in there. So we had to be very very detailed in our packaging. And so Ted has a video up on Instagram, which is at Troscriptions as well. Um, so you can go check out how to open the packaging. If there's any questions or we're, uh, we're going to make it easier going forward at least with like more instructions on the packaging itself, but, um, and it's recyclable too. It's recyclable packaging, all of that. So just to us a heads up.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. Yep. So that's dot uh, troscriptions.com. And then if you guys want uh, discount code biohacks, um, Let's bring it, let's bring it home. Cause I mean, I've been having so much fun. We went a little bit longer than I expected at least, but, um, these, these types of conversations are, uh, I think hopefully everyone listening is getting a lot of value from it and, and having fun too. Um, what are some of the other no tropics that you've tested and that have stayed in your, regimen you know is there is it is it selegaline? do you play with the racetams some of the choline donors alpha gpc cdp choline vinpocetine. what uh psychedelics we've got medicinal mushrooms some people are, are microdosing lsd what's what's really had the biggest positive impact on your cognitive endurance cognitive creativity um and that that you anticipate keeping as a part of your regimen for the foreseeable future
1: so, I mean, the tried and true, of course, is caffeine, right? Mm-hmm. So caffeine is, is something that I cycle on and off of, which I enjoy. Because if you haven't been on caffeine for a while and you start having coffee, it's just like, ooh, that's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's nice. So caffeine would probably be my tried and true nootropic that I've been using, you know, since I was 18 years old or so. Um, nicotine is great on its own as well. So for just like, like a little burst. For like a short period of time, nicotine can be very nice. And so I'll use that sometimes uh, as opposed just to ha- us having blue canatine. Um, blue sort of obviously become my mainstay as nootropics. What, what
0: type of, of nicotine do you take? Do you get like the two milligram gum or lozenges or what's your I usually no-tier? get
1: the gum and I cut it in half. I mean, blue only has one milligram of nicotine in it. And I need like a half a milligram if I'm taking it without anything else because mm-hmm. it, nicotine is kind of edgy. It kind of mm-hmm. makes you like, it kind of gives you this, this quick burst. And so if I, if I need a quick burst, you know, it's good. And so I'll do it. And, um, but I usually, I, I for me, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sensitive to like a half a milligram to a milligram of nicotine is mm-hmm. what I'm usually looking at uh, on that capacity. Um, I've messed around with the, the, the racetams in the past. Um, I do like them. Um, but I don't use them regularly. Um, I do like uh, medicinal mushrooms, like the, I, like the lion's mane is great. So I, I'm a big fan of lion's mane. Um, you know, some of the other stuff, like, like the on the psychedelics side, I really can't talk about too much as a licensed physician in the U.S. But um, mm-hmm. I do feel that I've had clients that have had a lot of ex- um, a lot of experiences with them that they've told me about that seem to be very helpful, and I do know from you know from their experiences that it could be very very Beneficial, so I, I'm a huge proponent of uh, of them if they're done in like the legal settings as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. And that's as much as I can say. Dr. Ted is more; uh, he's not licensed in the U.S., so he can say whatever he wants. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, um, but you know, but I but I think they're fantastic. Um, some of the other uh, those are the main ones that I would use most most chronically. Um, I do um, I do sometimes use some of the Alpha GBC um, and. Um, and and I've also, um, messed around with methylene blue on its own as well before Mm -hmm. we had blue canatine, which is a pretty interesting nootropic. It's a very different type of nootropic because it's not sort of a stimulant. It's more of an, um, it's an energy production enhancer at the Mm -hmm. cellular level. So but that's just, it's messy. It's difficult to use as you, as you know. Um, so there's some companies that are looking at capsules, for example, which I find interesting. So you're going to be seeing more of that. Coming on, coming are, up. Are
0: are any of those uh, available for purchase? Any of the methylene blue capsules?
1: Not yet. No. There's a couple of companies that are working on them, though. Um, as are uh, we've we've considered it as well. Uh, again, it you, you won't. It'll still you know make your urine blue, um, mm-hmm. and at a higher dose, it's going to make your poop blue as well. Um, but you're you know it won't be making your mouth or your nose. And you know, we had a funny. There's a funny story on Instagram where this guy, before our product was available, um, he knew about our ingredients. So he decided to take them all separately together, but he decided to snort <laughs> the methylene blue. I don't know why. And he ended oh. up getting like, his nose was blue. His mouth was blue. He's like, it was, it was hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> That's aggressive. That
0: sounds very aggressive. Um, yeah, my
1: main, honestly, my main nootropic is meditation. Even though it's funny to say, mm-hmm. like my main cognitive enhancer is meditation, hands down. If anything is going to ground me and expand me and make me not me or remember that I'm not just me at the same time, it is, it is that. It is, it is that perspective shift. And so nothing really compares to it, honestly. Um, but I need a boost. Those are the kinds, Those are my go-tos, really.
0: Beautiful. I think that's a perfect place to to leave it with folks because so many times we've heard the importance of meditation. And I know my life is completely different when I'm doing it consistently. But -hmm. it's so easy to get distracted and get away from the practice. The these these hyperbaric sessions have put me literally into a container that uh, that all I need to do is resist the temptation to put on the television and and carve out some time, which has been, which has been fantastic. But guys, if you're if you're listening and you haven't Commit to at least two weeks. I usually start feeling the difference after about two weeks where there's little moments of, of, of almost feeling like I'm shining, communicating mm-hmm, with mm. thoughts, having little, little moments where it's like, you feel like you're picking up on, on, on unspoken aspects of communication. Um, and then 30 days, I, I feel like a completely different person, far more resilient, resistant to stress, more peaceful and, right. um, uh, right. not, not operating from say like, uh, Uh, a a survival mindset that can happen if we just let ourselves get caught up in the day-to-day and
1: yeah, the ego is strong, you know, and I was, I have these awareness moments myself where my ego is like, you shouldn't meditate. You should go watch something. You should go do something else. I'm like, Oh, that's a very interesting internal conversation, you know, because the ego wants you to do, do, do go, 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 want, want, want. So it's super important uh, to have those maintenance of awareness moments to continue understanding when the ego is playing a role and who you truly are. I mean, if you are anybody, it's, it's not your ego, right? It's not that person that's mm-hmm. just your drives and your wishes and your wants. And that's, that doesn't, that's not you. That's just your ego speaking. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, yeah, that's a big one for me. It's a, it's probably my, my most important, but even guided meditations can be really helpful. Not just having to sit in a dark room and, 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 and uh, think about your breath or your, or, you know, be mindless, which is not really what I, what I feel meditation is all about.
0: Yeah, I've I've had a lot of success with uh success. God, what a weird word to use around meditation. It is, I've it is I've, enj- yes. I've enjoyed uh holosync and waking up uh and and uh what else are some of the other ones? I, I like uh yeah, holosync, headspace, waking up. Those are all some good ones that I've used in the past and and yeah, beneficial some- when I don't feel like doing it myself.
1: New technologies are coming as well that are gonna be like electro stim and sound and vibration. I got to try a couple recently at a conference that threw me into meditation within two minutes. It was like, I felt my heart rate go from like 20% less. And I was, I mean, so things are coming and these are new technologies that are not out yet but they're coming. And so you're gonna see more of this technology that's going to help people, which is great because the more people that are experiencing of this, the more responsive and the more aware and the less reactive and unaware we are as a society is going to be a good thing.
0: And you're not talking about like the new calm, for example, you're talking about new technology that new. isn't even out yet.
1: No new stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's,
0: it's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll have to stay uh, in the loop on that. Uh, yeah. Dr. Scott share. Thank you so much for joining us today. And, and, you know, being a part of this awesome conversation, where can people stay up to date on things you're working on and sure, stuff sure. that you've got in the
1: pipeline? This has been fantastic, Anthony. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so, a couple places. If you're interested in hyperbaric medicine specifically and the hyperbaric technology, the work that I do, I do advocacy. I do advocacy. Let me try that again. I do advocacy, education, and consultation like, across the globe. I do it virtually, and I do it through my website, IntegrativeHbot.com. And I have um, that's probably the, the best place. And they also have a Facebook page that also has the same name um, on the health optimization medicine front, our nonprofit is homehope.org. If you're a practitioner looking to get trained in it, I have my own concierge practice doing that in San Francisco, um, but it's also a virtual practice. It's home-sf.co. And then for everything blue catatine and transcriptions, it's transcriptions.com, like you said, and then there's the Instagram um, at transcriptions. Um, if you're looking for one place for everything, um, the probably easiest place is just to Google my name or to go my, to my Instagram page at Dr. Scott my name, Dr. D-R-S-C-O-T-T-S-H-E-R-R. And that's where I do most of my posting on, you know, a little bit of everything. So.
0: Lovely. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I had a blast and, uh, look forward to doing more with you guys and staying in the loop on cool things you're working on in some of these, uh, some of these to be released products.
1: Yeah, this is, it's, it's a whole new, I mean, every day is, is a joy when you know that the day starts off knowing you're going to have a podcast with, with Anthony Clemente. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that I've been able to take some time. Oh, you stop
0: you, it. Man. You got me blushing over here. Yeah. Thank you so much, yeah. brother. Appreciate you. We'll talk right, again soon. Day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. What's up, guys? Anthony here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted, an all-day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, Candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program is full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www www.bioshakingsecrets.com forward slash coaching and fill out the short application form. If you're pre approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together.